Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a podcast for comedians of any variety. Thanks so much. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Fun episode for you today. Always have a fun episode for you because I love you. And we can also be reached online. You can go to thereitispod.com. As you heard in the song, thanks to Vado for that. And thanks to Neil Brooks for putting that music together. And you can also find us on social media at There It Is Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Today's chat is with improviser, instructor, and founder of Improv City in Orange County, California. His name is Devin Dugan. Thanks to Andrew Van for setting that up. And we had a really great talk about performing, improv, teaching improv, his experience running his theater, and more. It's a really great chat. I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Devin Dugan. Devin, thanks so much for being here on the podcast. I do appreciate it because this was sight unseen. We don't know each other. Yeah. Uh, now, you are out in California, correct? Yes, Orange County, California. Orange County. And you co-founded or founded a theater there, right? Yeah, I'm actually. I'm the owner and founder of Improv City. Great. And in, in, in Orange County, cool. Now, how long have you been doing improv? Uh, myself, I've been doing improv for uh, right around 22 years. Wow. And so how long have you been instructing? Um, well, with just this troupe since we've been there. But I've, I've worked with other groups, too. I've, I've, um, I've, I've taught at like uh, Comedy Sports, Comedy City, National Comedy Theater. Uh, so a lot of different troops that I've been with over the years. I've been teaching for quite a long time as well. Excellent. So let's go back a little bit. So you started doing improv 22 years ago. Were you doing any performance before that? I wasn't actually. No. Um, I I always actually wanted to get into stand up, and I did stand up for many years. Actually, I, I traveled all across the country and did stand up for many years too. But I actually started my comedy career in improv. Oh, okay. Um, and so, uh, where what made you want to get into it? Uh, you, you know, truthfully, uh, this is kind of a funny, weird thing, but when I was a kid, um, growing up, I was always enamored with the old vaudeville comedians. I would watch the shows every, they would play these old TV shows on Saturdays, like the Abin Costello show or Laurel and Hardy shorts or, you know, you know, um, anything like that. And I just loved that brand of humor, like the old, just innocent comedy, Three Stooges, you know, mm-hmm. Jack Benny, anything like Red Skeleton, any of that stuff. And I just... I, I just I, I just fell in love with it and grew up um, just enamored with them and wanted to be I, I wanted to be Lou Costello when I was a kid. Yeah, that's a good aspiration. He was great. <laughs> well, that's very cool. So yeah. you just loved it for a long time and then eventually yeah. you got into it. Where did you get your start? Uh, I started with comedy sports actually in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah, good, which is not good comedy place to start. Speed. Yeah. So yeah, I started there, uh, and I was there for a few years before um, uh, I, I moved out to California. I actually started stand up out there as well too. So okay, and how long after starting improv did you start stand up? 
Um, it was roughly around the same time. I mean, it was probably within like six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of my, my foray into stand-up, but improv has always been my first love, actually. Oh, cool. Cool, yeah. yeah I do stand-up as well, and I, I never know what to say my first love was because my first love was really just comedy. <laughs> right, yeah, I guess that's true, yeah. And so, I mean, I was... I, I was in elementary school when I first said I wanted to be an actor, and it was because I saw Bill Murray and right. and Ghostbusters. And then a few years later, I was watching like an Eddie Murphy interview, and they called him an actor comedian. And I said, I want to be an actor comedian. <laughs> and uh, so I don't really know what to say. Uh, some people will ask me sometimes, "What do you like better?" And I don't really know what to say. I mean, I consider myself an actor, and I consider myself a comedian, and improv is a place where I feel like I can really, really play both of those. But and stand-up is a whole other animal. I mean, you're, you're doing something different, even though it's still comedy. And I, I never know how to answer that question. I imagine you get that question a lot, or used to when you did stand-up a good bit. Used to, yeah. I, I, I sort of retired from stand-up. Um, right. Uh, a few years ago, I just um, I got tired of doing the road and all different stuff like that, and I just right. improv. Like I say, I, the thing with stand up is when I was doing it, stand up you're always by yourself, even though you're with other comedians and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, improv, you're always with other people, and you're creating something in the moment. It's always fresh and always new. It's not the same act night after night. So I, I just I just love that about improv. It's like it's a one moment lost in time kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, you know, it can, if you're on the road, like you were saying, I mean, it could just be depressing. But when you're on the road with your improv troupe, that's a ton of fun. Right. That's cool. Yeah. I think, and that's for me, has always been my favorite thing is is the the memories that you create with other people. You could do a three, and I'm sure you've done this, you create like a, a, you know, you do a three minute improv scene, but yet, you know, 15 years later, you still remember that one scene, which was literally just in the moment because it was such a right. great moment in time. That is one of the benefits, I would say, of improv is that there's always a constant discovery. And so you can always get excited about what you're going to do. But with stand-up, you get tired of jokes and then you get rid of them. And so you have to start doing new stuff. And there's discovery, obviously, in that and excitement in that. And there's excitement in performing the jokes. But... When you've had them for a while and you're doing them just because you know they do well and not because you're excited about it, the performance can sometimes be lacking. It just depends on what kind of show you're doing, of course. But right. gosh, you know, like it, it's if you're just trying to do a like a seven minute set or something like that, and it's like, well, I guess I'll just do these tried and true jokes. <laughs> it could yeah. be a real boring night, but whenever you're doing an improv show, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Yep, exactly. So that's always a little more exciting. You have an idea of what's going to happen with your stand-up show, but you have no idea what's going to happen with your improv show. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's the fun, and I I really like I like that live audience thing. You know, where you, uh, it, it, I know that's, that's one of the reasons also I've always liked comedy uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to acting because I've done acting stuff too. But I really I love the live energy from an audience. I just that's I feed off of that. Just it's right. just immediate and it's there. Yeah. So what is your philosophy for improv? Like, what, how, I imagine uh, comedy sports, I mean, it's short form, and right. so they're teaching you that, but I don't know um, 
how a short form theater teaches improv, actually. So I only know how theaters that try to make long form uh, their main thing right. teach it. So what is there a difference or were you just kind of reading a bunch of different books and taking a bunch of different workshops? No, I mean, well, I mean, we do both, too. We do long form and, and short form. Short form is our weekend stuff. And we do some long form like on Thursday nights and stuff, too. And I've done oh, both. Oh, right. Oh, I was more meaning when you're starting out. Oh, starting out. Um, yeah, starting out, actually. Well, I began, um, just in regards to teaching, uh, I, I, when I started out teaching, I kind of started off with, like, comedy sports had this high school league thing that they did, so I was kind of, I got into teaching from that in, in mm-hmm. Green Bay when I was there. Uh, so that was my first foray into teaching improv. But again, it was just teaching short-form games and stuff, so it wasn't really, while you're teaching improv, you know, and the, the, the basic fundamentals of it, yes-anding, don't ask questions, those type of things, that was all there, but truly, um, where I feel I grew uh, more as a teacher was when I was actually going through Second City and taking classes there, hmm, because okay. then I, I was I was learning as opposed to just one person each week teaching me. I had multiple teachers, and I, I and even ones that were crappy teachers you still learn something from like you could be sitting there thinking like i know more than this person but you still take something away from it mm-hmm. um you, you know and that was one of the things i liked and i feel over the years of everybody that i've, I've trained under or at, i've worked with i've taken a piece of them with me to form kind of my point of view through improv comedy as it is now right and do you have a, a philosophy as it is now, that you think is a real clear one that you can share? Um, oh, gosh, that's, that's I've been asked that question before, too, and it's always one of those tough ones to answer because I think with improv, there's yeah. so many philosophies you can choose. Right, and that's why I said, that's why I worded it the way I did, because I know I couldn't answer that question um, as clearly. Here's what, here's what I would say. Uh, when it comes down to the end of the day, and this is what I always tell Anybody I teach, you know, whether it's, you know, high school students or, or adults or whatever, I say at the end of the day, have fun mm-hmm. because that's why you got into it in the first place because somewhere along the line, you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And and if you ever stop enjoying it, then don't do it anymore. But I think those would just be the things I would say. My philosophy is just have fun. Right. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. philosophy. <laughs> I, I sometimes... I mean, I I feel like as a I've coached a couple teams, and I I feel like I have to keep reminding people to have fun, and that's not because of anything they're doing. It's just that in rehearsals, I have a tendency to, you know, I'm giving notes, so it's it seems like a more serious sort of moment and not fun at all. Like there's critiquing involved, and what's fun about that? But uh, and you know, I'm trying to get people to grow and stretch and I'm challenging them. And so I do that so much and I feel like I have to say, Hey, have fun. <laughs> like that's yeah. whole, that is the whole and, point. And that's funny that you said it because actually I, I'm always talking about how sometimes like, you know, I, you can feel that as a teacher, you can feel burnt out sometimes because mm-hmm. people who don't teach improv only perform it. Don't understand that as a teacher, you know, like especially you're teaching like improv seven days a week or something. Like you are constantly, and I, I, I hate to say these words together, but you're constantly seeing bad improv done. You know, <laughs> constantly telling people don't don't say no, don't deny, just accept mm-hmm. what's happening. Yes, and don't ask questions. You know, be a character. You're you're, you're repeating the same things day in and day out, and it, mm-hmm. and it wears you. Um, and, and you have to remind yourself that you you know 
you were there at one point and, and again, just, you know, have fun. You get to do this for a living and, and, and it's, and it's fun. Yeah. And there is a part too, sometimes where, and it's not, even if you don't think that their choice didn't have merit, you would have made a different choice. Right. (laughs) and, And that's, some people have gotten into trouble with saying the, okay, the better choice was, or they always act like the, the person they're coaching or teaching right. missed the, the actual choice or the right choice. And people have gotten in trouble with, for that, and I'm trying to go out of my way not to say anything like, hey, you missed it, the right choice was this. Unless, of course, they just flat out misinformation. But, you know, the direction someone takes something, that's on the type of person they are. So I don't want to take that from them. Yeah, I think... And and, it's, and I know people that do coach like that. And my, my personal thing is I've never believed that no matter what choice they make, I don't think it's ever a wrong choice, which I know is kind of mm-hmm. a – like people are like, wow, well, it could be because maybe they said no. or something. I'm like, yeah, but it's still the choice they made. And, mm-hmm. it, and, and I think in improv, because you are making it up on the spot, you know, it's, it's, it's better to have made a poor choice than no choice at all. Exactly. And I also would say that I, I take seriously the – notion that improv can help you learn to be a better person and so I try to think well how so and if we're taking the element of, of improv that's about acceptance and you think about real life uh, situations not necessarily stage situations or class situations but when you're interacting with people in your day-to-day life acceptance isn't going oh I wouldn't do that it's saying okay this is where we are Right. And this is the choice that was made, and this is what we have to work with. This is real life. Regardless of what I would have done, this is where we are, and I have to accept that and try to find the most positive way to move forward. Yeah. And that, that matters with improv as well. I mean, that's, that's, the whole, that's the thing we're trying to learn to do, and it's a good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a good place to, to practice just accepting. So, yeah, I definitely try to say, okay, this is where it is, and maybe there's some other way to where they could have gotten more bang for their buck. And if so if I'm coaching or teaching, I will point that out. But I, I tried not to make them feel bad about their the choice they did make. Right, yeah. When you are teaching, what sort of things are you ever running into that uh, you're always sort of like kicking yourself or having done. I think one thing I always run into is that I will uh, make a point and then later I'll realize, oh, I could have made that point so much better if I just said this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's like, true, oh, yeah. What a missed opportunity. And you're, <laughs> so are you ever like coaching and then uh, you're, you're, you coach one team and you, you're saying all the one-on-one stuff that you got to teach somebody. And then the next one-on-one class, different group of people later that day or the next day, you're going, oh, I'm teaching the same thing, but I finally figured out how I should have said it to the last class. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that comes with every time, you know, you, you teach, I, I think every every note you give, I think you're also kind of teaching yourself as well. Like, oh, right. this is a better way to get the information across to someone. Um, I know one of the things, like when I had first started coaching for, for the first few years, I, I was very long-winded where I would try to make just a point but it would be a very long grueling time to get to that point yeah, um, and, and finally and I remember my my wife who also does improv she'd be like you talk too much sometimes I'm like oh, okay so I would be very conscious of that mm-hmm. and try to like be more concise like okay here's the point and I would just 
leave it at that. But then I kind of felt like, oh, I see blank stares. Like, I don't think they understand it. So I would try to give a little bit further. And now I've kind of gotten to the point where I'll say what I mean mm-hmm. and I'll just ask right out questions, comments, concerns, anything that you don't understand. And and, and I, I kind of feel from as a teacher, I think that's the best route to go because I think as a student, if you don't understand it, it's your responsibility uh, to ask the instructor to clarify more, go more mm-hmm. into detail. Yeah, I've, I, yeah, that's a really good approach. And I've definitely run in those situations where they have these looks on their faces like, they disagree or they don't understand. And so I'll feel like, oh, I need to say, I need to explain it a different way. And I can't end up being too long winded in those situations <laughs> yeah. when in truth they got it. They just, uh, and they didn't disagree. That that was just like their thinking face or, you know, something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, and I, I've always, I've always found for me, one of the most struggling parts of being a teacher is when you have a group that you're working with and everybody gets what's happening except for maybe like one individual who's just struggling and you can Mm -hmm. tell there's frustration with the rest of the group with this individual Mm -hmm. and you don't want to necessarily have to slow down the training for this one person but you know it it, you have to to keep them up and and, Mm -hmm. and it becomes this weird dynamic so that's always been a big struggle and trying to get the other people to understand like you know, you're you know in improv, you're only as strong as your weakest link, if you will. So, mm-hmm. you know, it it pays to just take the time to get everybody on the same par and on the same level to do it. And I, I think students of improv who are new at it sometimes think they're better than they are. Yeah. And have a I'm dealing with people who maybe aren't at that level yet. Yeah, I definitely have experienced and seen that before too. Where I I, I thankfully got got out of my head about that sort of thing, but it can be very tempting to say, oh gosh, I don't like this person's choices, or they always make a weird, confusing choice, so that's now how they are in your brain, and when you end up in a scene with them, then you're just going through like, oh, what weird thing are they going to do, or what strange, hard-to-understand choice are they going to make, or weird move that's not really the correct move that we were taught to make and then you realize you're the one who's not paying attention and is screwing the scene because right. you're standing there judging the, the whole scene um, yeah i think um I, I always like to kind of call it and 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 um i think and you probably have experienced this too as a professional uh improviser for years is if you perform with someone perhaps who hasn't been doing it as long or whatever you kind of have to play like clean up we're like mm-hmm. what happened done in the scene have they not established where we are have they not established a relationship or you know and you're constantly kind of like you know in in terms of if you're driving you're always kind of the defensive driver trying to see like where do we have to steer us to go correctly and Mm -hmm. um i've found myself in the last few years learning to be like you know what i'm not gonna play cleanup i'm just gonna trust where the scene goes Mm -hmm. um but there are those times still where you have to jump in and 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 do that, and it can get frustrating. But I think it also helps newer improvisers to see what they've missed in the scene by you bringing it in. Right, and a good bit of advice I got early on was that even if they do make mistakes and they are messing up, you still have the rules to follow. Like if right. they don't follow the rules, you still do. So you still have to yes and what they've brought to the table, and. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're denying it, then 
you're being just as much of a problem in the scene as they are. So it is, right. it is a good to just, and I've have heard that before that you can get stronger by playing with people that you will have to do that with. You can, you will have to just focus more and yes and harder to yeah. get the thing going in the direct, the right direction. Yeah. I know, I know improvisers uh, who have been doing it as long as I have and stuff and, and who will sometimes they'll tell me like, because you know, at, you know, especially like with with, with a ensemble or a troupe, where you always are doing auditions, you have new people coming in, mm-hmm. and there's different skill levels. And I know people who've been doing it for years who tell me how frustrated they get performing with newer improvisers because they don't know the rules or they'll make poor choices, and they'd rather play with seasoned people. Mm-hmm. And I constantly remind them, you know, you were at that point at one time in your life. And unless someone who is at the point you're at now stepped up to help you, you went to got to where you are now. So it's like right. you almost owe it to the new generation of improvisers to give them your knowledge and, and let them see you in a scene with them because they're never going to get better. If, if veterans don't st- step up and do what their job is by being a good scene partner to these new people who have to learn through trial and error. Right. Couldn't agree more. That's yeah. a really good point. So you started your theater, Improv City, how many years ago? Uh, we started in, it was uh, our, well, we, our first show was July of 2009. So I'll say 2009 is when we first originally started. So I, what is it, eight, nine years? I don't know. I, yeah, I, I guess just, uh, almost uh, eight, and, eight years ago. So you're yeah. like eight and a half years ago. Right. And what made you want to start and what made you realize that you could start a theater? Uh, that's well. Um, I had bef- I had been performing uh, when I had moved out to California. I had been performing with uh, Second City Hollywood and a few other groups out here, uh, um, Idiot Central and, and some stuff. And then down in San Diego, there was National Comedy Theater, mm-hmm. and I was driving down there uh, every weekend and was performing with them. Um, and it, I was working a day job at the time. Uh, this is uh, you know because uh, at the time it wasn't paying the bills, and I got laid off of that job, which ended up being the biggest blessing in disguise because at that point I realized like, you know what? I, I, I was doing stand-up for a long time and it was fine, but improv is what I like. I'm just going to try to find some people who want to try doing some improv. And I used to go to this coffee shop. This is literally how Improv City started. My wife and I would go to this coffee shop and hang out. We knew a bunch of the people there, the baristas and other customers. And one day I just started asking some random people, hey, would you ever learn how to do some improv games just have fun? And like, oh, sure. And we went to this little garage, and and we one night I just started teaching him some basics of improv, and over time we got to a point where we're like, you guys want to just try doing a show, and we did it. <laughs> and truthfully, I had never thought about running my own company, never thought about being an artistic director or nothing like that, and everything just really fell into place. I just. Mm-hmm. The next thing I knew, we're doing more shows. People are starting to come. We're getting, you know, popular, and we're adding more shows. And we went from doing one show a month to now doing six shows a weekend. And I never really had that goal in mind to do this. I just wanted to just perform improv, and and, and now here I am. So I don't really know how I got to this point, but I love it. <laughs> That's excellent. That's really great. And yeah. what kind of philosophy do you use or not well i mean we talked about your philosophy of improv 
But what kind of school of thought do you use to uh, sort of inform how you base your curriculum? Is it the second city sort of mindset? Um, boy, I, I, like I said before, I, I really take from so many different schools of thoughts that I've, I've worked with under the years and stuff. Um, but if I, I mean, as far as, um, one word that I use a lot when I'm teaching is ensemble. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really try to beat over the head, just the issue of ensemble. Like, you know, we are, uh, we're a group, we're a family, we're a team. And And it really, for me, is the defining word of what an improv group or a troupe or a should be is an ensemble. Like no one is better than anyone else. No one is, is, you know, the lead dog or the weak link. We're just, we are all just one. I always say like, you know, after shows and stuff like, you know, sometimes people will come up to, to me or another person be like, Oh my God, you were my favorite, blah, blah, blah. And I've always made me a little uncomfortable when that's happened, which I mean, I appreciate the compliment. It's nice. Thank you. But I feel when an audience leaves a show, if they're just thinking one individual, um, I feel like the group didn't do their job. I think they should think, Mm -hmm. wow, show was so amazing. Not you were amazing. Like, you know, well, there was five other people here helping me. So, I, and I truly think, and the, for me, the best compliments that I feel we get is when someone walks out saying, "Oh my God, the show was so great! You know, the Improv City was so fantastic! You know, the, the Yelp reviews are like, oh, go see this group, not mm-hmm. go see this person.' Uh, mm-hmm. And and I think that speaks more volumes to what improv is than anything else. You know, I will say, having been on both sides of that. Um, the shows that I had the most fun in were the ones where the audience came out and said, what a fun show. Mm-hmm. Those were a lot more fulfilling nights than the nights when someone said, you were really funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, it's a, and like, it's such a weird thing. Like, and I, and I, it's, it feels good, but I always have this weird, like, like guilt, like, Oh Thank you. And like, especially I think from the shoes of an artistic director, mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, well, that was good. But the people who are working with me, who I've been training, weren't right. just, oh, what am I doing? You know, like it's just this weird guilt thing. And and I and I know not every single time. I mean, people sometimes just you can walk on stage, you haven't even done something and automatically be like, oh, that person's my favorite. I mean, mm-hmm. you never know what they're coming from. But just I feel that. It, it 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 really is a goal of mine to have the show as a whole be what the audience wants to see and not someone just coming to a show to see a particular individual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and plus there's this weird thing sometimes, too, if a, someone sort of singling you out for a compliment and you're standing next to the other people yes. that they're not complimenting is like, Hey, they're my friends. And I thought they did a great job. I, don't, yeah. I mean, and I, especially if like they did have a bad show, like, and you know, like, Oh, that person had kind of a rough show. It's even crap. It's like, Oh, thanks, like, oh yeah. I, uh, tell me later. <laughs> like, DM me. <laughs> yeah. So, so what has been the most fulfilling thing would you say about having started a theater? Um, you know, that's a, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because while this has been the most fulfilling thing, it's also been tragically the saddest as well, too. Mm. Uh, and I'll explain why. Uh, the most fulfilling thing for me has been the, the, the people that have come 
into my life and I've gotten to know and work with and train and who have just become family to me, you know? Um, and then, like I say, the reason it's also tragically sad is because as the artistic director, while these people come into the troupe and they become part of your life for so long and you're, you know, you're building such a great relationship with, of trust and communication and love with this person, eventually they're going to go off and do bigger, better things or whatever. But because you're the owner of the business, you're the person here, yeah. you're still here. So they, while they come in, it's knowing that eventually they're going to go. And mm. I always wish nothing but the best of luck to them all because I want them to go off. And like I kind of see them as my children. I want them to go off and become better than I have ever been. Right. Be more successful than me and say, just give me a little nod every so often. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> you know, um, but it's it's. And I and I truly miss every single person that's ever come into my troop and gone. I um, I miss them all, even the ones that you know left on maybe not the most greatest of circumstances, which happens. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 there's not one that I don't miss. Yeah, that that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that before, but yeah, that would be pretty rough. I mean, I'm I'm about to leave my community to move up to New York City, and for me, I'm like, oh, I'm leaving all these people. And they'll have each other, but yeah, I guess at the same time, I'm not the only one who's left, and I'm not the only one leaving this time, because my girlfriend's coming too, and she's in the company (laughs) as well. And so, yeah, I mean, people, uh, there is that sort of, well, I have to stay here while everyone else gets to leave. Yeah, Yeah, that must be be tough. And I never thought about it before. And actually, uh, the, uh, my the person who I originally trained under uh, up in in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, his name is Mike Estricon. Seriously, in my opinion, one of the greatest improvisers of all time. He um, he was the one who kind of explained that to me one time when I left, when I moved to come out to California. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's like, you're, you're breaking my heart going out there. I hate to see you leave. You're, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm just like, because I, I want to come out and pursue a comedy career. You know, being a big fish in a small pond like Wisconsin wasn't doing anything. I wanted to come out to, you know, to California and, and, and try my hand out here. And But now in his shoes or these shoes that I have, mm-hmm. I understand that. And like, wow. And it's, 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 it's humbling and it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also tragically sad part of improv that people who aren't in the position of, of, of an artistic director or an owner don't understand to them. It's just like, Oh, I'm just coming in. You know, and you always have people who are completely in love with the troop and they're going to, they, they literally make it their whole devotion in life. And you have those other people who do come in and just make it kind of a hobby kind of thing. And they they perform when they can. Mm-hmm. But they all leave an impact on you and your group. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. It's I guess it's part of the beautiful part in a way of it yeah. all. But it's, yeah, I would imagine that's tough. Yeah. Now, you've done some... Uh, work off stage too and in front of and behind the camera too haven't you yeah uh, lots of different stuff <laughs> i've um uh i've you know i've worked on you know film shows uh web series uh i've written books uh lots of different stuff too i i i i'm one of these people that i i have to constantly be doing something artistically mm-hmm. or i just feel depressed and out of place <laughs> oh yeah yeah i've heard of that it's have you heard of that mo- that book big magic I've heard of it. I'm not familiar with it, though. It's um, by the same person who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. Elizabeth Gilbert wrote uh, wrote that. And she uh, is talking in that about living a creative life 
And so it's just like this constantly being involved, you know, constantly working on uh, something creative, some sort of artistic endeavor. Right. For, for yeah, no other I, reason other than to be working creatively. Yeah, and that's how I am. I, I, I have to be doing something because I get... I, 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 yeah, I get antsy or just like I say, like I said, almost de- depressed in a way. Just like I need to be creating something and just putting something out in the world, even if it's just for me. Yeah. Nobody else will ever see it. I just, I just have to be doing something. Yeah, uh, you need, you need to check that book out. You'd probably get a, a kick out of it. Big Magic is called Big Magic. Big Magic, yes. Okay. I now, that up. So you wrote a book. Uh, what's the name of it? I did an improv uh, book was called improvisers drawing stick figures and uh what i did is i reached out to people um all across the country different improvisers even like people like greg proops and stuff which was great and i gave them a piece of paper and a pencil and said improvise a stick figure drawing you can draw anything you want but it has to have at least a stick figure in it (laughs) and i compiled a book of it got it published and uh the proceeds also went to the cystic fibrosis foundation so it was a great cause yeah what made you want to do that uh, it was just this idea I had. I thought it'd just be uh, a fun, uh, a little exercise. Like I said, just you know, because improvisers, some people are, are you know, we we see how their creative mind works when asked to draw something as opposed to acting it out. Uh, and some of the drawings are are really crappy. Like mine is terrible. I can't even draw a stick. <laughs> I get like three legs. But um, other people's are just like this magnificent, beauteous. Uh, drawings, which is it's like wow, how do you do that from just a stick figure? So, uh, and it was just it's just like a, just a little fun uh, quirky novelty book, but uh, it was awesome. And I got to meet a lot of cool uh, improvisers too, so, uh, so it was great too. Awesome. So, what would you say is one of the biggest benefits that you've gotten just from improv in general? Would you say it's what you've learned from teaching, or just the experience of being creative and living creatively? <laughs> Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I, I guess, I mean, the biggest benefit would be, uh, I mean, this is going to sound cheesy, but I, I, I sincere at least in that it's, it's the, just the memories, mm. I guess that, you know, uh, the memories and the, and the stories, I'm kind of nostalgic, if you will. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the old school vaudeville and classic black and white you know stuff so i've always been a bit of a, a nostalgic type of person so i really just think again you know the 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 memories that have been created in the stories and and, and those moments in time i i i, I say without sounding too romantically sentimental that's really what for me has been the biggest influence i just i i love looking back on the things that i've done and feeling proud of those moments. Mm-hmm. That's great. Two questions. It's, it's the similar a similar question, but one from the improv perspective and the other from the instructor perspective. Uh, I'll start with the instructor perspective. If there's somebody who wants to one day coach or instruct improv, what would you? What advice would you give them? I would tell them to learn how to be patient, mm-hmm. learn how to f- be forgiving, mm-hmm. and learn how to have people critique you more than you're critiquing them. Mm. Uh, and how do you and, mean uh, with that aspect of it? Because um, I, 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 as a teacher, I would tell them, you know, 
you're up there, you're, you're teaching them things. And there are people who are going to love your, the way you teach and your philosophy and, and the things you tell them, but you are going to have those individuals who will not like it, who will just be stubborn. Sometimes they can't take a note, even though you're coming from, you know, if, if I'm as a teacher giving you constructive criticism, I, my job is to make you better. And that's all I want to do is make you better. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's going to be individuals out there that just will get defensive, not thinking that what you're saying to them is right. Right. It's hard not to argue with them sometimes. Be like, you know, just like, okay, well, that's you know, it is, it is what it is. Right. Yeah. It is one of those things where everyone's brain works differently. You know, right. we have different ways that people process information, and I try to cover them, but. You know, there there is a method to my madness in some situations. And, uh, you know, it is one of those things of just being patient when someone's like, hey, you know, uh, my experience is that you should really do it this way. And, you know, uh, my experience is a completely different one. <laughs> so, right. And uh, we'll just, you know, it's it's OK that we both have different experiences. And that, <laughs> exactly. that really does take patience, like you were saying. And yeah. uh, I, I like that. So as an improviser, if somebody is maybe in one oh one and they're listening what advice would you give them if, if they have the desire to keep going forward with this crazy endeavor of improv? Um, c- kind of going back to, and again, I feel like I'm repeating myself and I apologize. Right. I, I kind of go fine. back to the thing where I tell them, I would say, remember this moment the first time you've gone on stage. And if you can come up on stage and improvise a scene, and it, it, and I mean, percentage wise, it's probably going to not be the greatest scene in the world, mm-hmm. but there's something inside of you was like, that was fun and makes you want to try it again. Remember that moment of what, after doing something that didn't really work, mm-hmm. made you want to go up and try it again, because in improv, you're going to fail a whole bunch. Yeah. And being able to continue to go up and get pushed down and knocked down again and keep wanting to go back up because some part of that getting knocked down puts a smile on your face. Mm. And that's what I would tell them because it, it's, you know, I always like to tell people when it comes to like doing comedy and improv or, or whatever, really any, you know, like thing like that, it, it's, it's a hard way to make an easy living. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it is one of those things of like, oh, I'm up here to have fun. Why am I? have it why do i have to try so hard but that's just where the fun is right you know it's like i think i was explaining this to somebody it's mountaintop moments are amazing you still (laughs) have to hike the mountain yeah it's not like that's easy (laughs) that's for an analogy yeah i agree and i heard in, in regards to accepting all the failure i read this really great i'm not sure if it was a vanity fair or gq interview with stephen colbert and he said one of the things he learned early on was someone at Second City that was always saying, learn to love the bomb, which is that moment we're on stage where it's just flat out bombing. You <laughs> still have to learn to love being on stage in that sort of moment because that's the only way you're going to be able to make it through <laughs> and still do yeah. the level of work you want to do. And that makes so much sense. But it is something that's kind of hard to articulate. Yes, absolutely. Uh uh, you know, if I can share a really f- quick story with you of one of the the most hardest, difficult, bombed in shows I ever did, but yet is one of my greatest memories. Uh, can I 
bum me for a, for a moment to tell you oh, the story? Please tell me. We were hired out to do this show, and we were told at the time that it was at a hospital. We're like, oh, okay, great, for a hospital. And we we go in, uh, myself and three other improvisers, and all of a sudden they start uh, wheeling these patients in who are all um, pretty much comatose. Like they can't. Mm-hmm talk they're just you know, you know and like like oh my god how are we supposed to do a show with like, uh, except for one guy who just kept yelling motorcycle over and over which mm-hmm. and I, that's, I don't know if that's how he got to be that point i don't know but uh we're just and we had to do a show for about 30 people who just couldn't just sat there you know and i'm not trying to be uh, Desensitize the situation. No, I get it. I'm, I've it, been in it. But sitting there looking at us, no, you know, they're, they're they can't talk. They're just sitting there. They're all, and we're like, we couldn't get suggestions. We're, we were even right. asking the staff in the back of the room, "Can you give a suggestion?" Oh no, no, the show's for you guys. For them. Oh, oh my god. So and it was just brutal because there's yeah. no feedback, nothing. And at one point, even this is where it gets a little comical in a sad sense. One guy just starts screaming. Ah! Like and they had to wheel him out of the room down the hall. Wow. We're like, oh, what is going on? Uh, and it was just this surreal, like, wow, what just happened moment. And now we just look back at it and we're like, wow, that was actually. I can't believe we did a show like that. Yeah. It was fun. So it's like moments like that. Like you're gonna have just these situations that arise in moments and. Mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just you, you just have to. And I, I've gotten to the point now where I almost enjoy the scenes that go bad more so because it gives you this moment of like well there's nothing else that can go wrong at this point so we might as well just live it up and have some fun in the moment now yeah oh well yeah and i think those when when that's the approach that is the most fun uh and it's it that is a better probably approach than self-doubt and self-hate but uh i've been in an experience once like the story you told where i did a stand-up show at an old folks home. And so there were a handful of people who were paying attention and, uh, but they, you know, some of them, uh, they're paying attention in the sense that they just want to flirt with the young man that's there, (laughs) which is like, okay, that's fine. That's funny. But, uh, can you laugh at my jokes? Are those funny? (laughs) Then, uh, but then a good portion of them, were pretty much just wheeled out and they were almost comatose. So it's hard yeah. to like when I don't know what's worst for, for that kind of situation is having to do improv in front of it or stand up in front of it because improv, they don't necessarily know what's going on and they're not giving suggestions Right. and stand up. You're trying to engage them directly. You're, you're, you're <laughs> telling them your thoughts. You're, <laughs> yeah. And there, there's nothing. You're getting no feedback from them, and you can't really engage them or act like you're. You can't connect with them. Right. It, it's tough either way, and I don't know which would have been better. But that's a rough one. Yeah, it it, it was. But like I say, now we just look back at it as one of those moments that you know we just well, we yeah. we survived it, and it was it was just great. Yeah, and I got to meet that one nice lady who kept flirting with me. She was super sweet. <laughs> <laughs> she was very sweet, and she gave me a hug or something. I don't know. um well this has been a great talk i've really enjoyed it yeah Uh, we're at the end now so this is the portion where we create something together i don't know what we could create though i don't know if it's maybe a a theater or a uh 
a type of uh, show? What would you suggest? Oh gosh, you know, I, I really don't know. Uh, I I will just yes and you when mm. you throw. I will I well, will yes and it. <laughs> I think this is on my mind because I'm doing a couple of shows where we have to come up with a format, and so coming up with a format for a, a, like a long form, uh, or it could be short form, I guess, uh, a game. What's something we could do there? Maybe maybe that's the uh, avenue that, where we can come up with. And we've been talking a lot about sort of memories and. Even being nostalgic, maybe we can come up with a form that involves that. Mm, okay. I don't so, know. So there's that one form that is, I guess it's the living room, where you kind of like chat about old memories or something as yourself, oh, and then you do, it's right. like a source scene, and then you do, you could kind of do something similar to that, where uh, maybe it's... Uh, uh, some uh, two people or a few people just talking in character uh, and then discovering like an old story, just like creating a backstory for them. And uh, then you can extrapolate from that different ways. Like you can, maybe you could do a flashback or, which I know that might be kind of hack, but uh, you could do a flashback <laughs> to what was referenced. Or you can also say like, well, okay, if this is true, then what else is true? Like, I wonder, maybe that's an idea. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Like yeah. I'm just going to guess and you, so that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else uh, um, to really add to a, a form like that. There's some, like, really elaborate forms out there sometimes, and it yes. almost seems too elaborate to even remember to be able to yeah. do them effectively. That, that That's actually something I've always wanted to do, too, is, like, you, you do, do a game, mm-hmm. and you have so many rules that it's you can't remember them all um <laughs> so you're almost like just frozen on stage but that would just be awful uh but yeah um so yeah so like the so like the game like just kind of like over, over as we're doing it now just kind of talking kind of thing or or how do you how do you exactly do it just make sure i'm on the same page with you uh well i mean when we don't have to try to do it because <laughs> That might be too. That might be too much. But uh, yeah, I guess the idea would be to uh, uh, create characters and just sort of reminisce on something together. Okay. Like, and then uh, and then try to uh, make some scenes that are based off of things that were brought up in that in that reminiscing. (laughs) That could be interesting. That would be interesting. Maybe if you really got a clear idea of a character and the way they, their character thinks. And so then maybe instead of doing a flashback to an event they were talking about, it's a, like something that relates to one of the characters and the event, but not the event itself, if you're reminiscing on a, a particular event. Or you have a character telling the, what in their mind exactly how the story went, but then you... <laughs> go back and you see how the story was absolutely nothing right. like they totally exaggerated view. it <laughs> you see alternate point of view like well i can see where you thought it was this way but it was actually <laughs> how the crap went down <laughs> yes exactly i like it i like it there it is i'll call it there that was that's a, a good idea what could we call that though what we, could we name that uh, style? Alter, altered state altered state i like it altered point of view perhaps great well thanks devin for being on the podcast Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was super fun. What a great chat. One of my favorite things about this podcast, and I know that I have 50 favorite things, 
but I love it when I have someone I have never interacted with on because those are always great conversations. Devin was great, and I'm really glad to have had him on. I hope you feel inspired and learned some good stuff there. My good friend Andrew Van, who put me in touch with Devin, visited Devin's Theater, Improv City, and he had a great time. So if you make your way out to Orange County in California anytime, definitely check them out. Find out more about the theater and what they have going on at ImprovCityOnline.com. Look them up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ImprovCity. Find us on Twitter and Facebook at There It Is Pod, And find me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes. That's it for this episode, but check out more on ThereItIsPod.com and tune in next week for a very fun chat with stand-up comedian Erica Rhodes. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.